Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Hail to the Pod. I'm Sebastian Rizard. I'm here with my co-host, Sam Chang. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, bright and sunny day outside. It's April. The beginning of April, shockingly, but yeah, it's everything's good. It's getting a lot warmer. Honestly, I think it was like, what, it felt like 70 degrees, honestly. I never go outside. <laughs> oh, dude, it, it was. I went outside today, early in the morning. It was like 45 degrees, and then by the time I got back here, it was 60. 45 in the morning? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I guess this, this episode, we're going to take a look. Well, it's going to talk about a little bit about democracy. Basically, like, democracy in America and how, like, we have, like, defined it, I guess, how that sort of, like, history changed in our country and where we are right now, and basically what we're doing in the future. Uh, basically, where because, like, today, a lot of, like, um, kids, like, millennials and Gen Z, uh, Gen Zers, I guess, are taking a very progressive stance and basically um, their platform, like our platform, I guess, is basically um, having a full-fledged sort of democratic system that is different from probably the way that the founding fathers have thought of it. And all these like movements are um, like a testament to those ideas. And I guess like this is like a very broad topic, I have to admit, but um, I guess we could start by um, what the founders thought of democracy and versus what we think of it now. So I think, uh, Sebastian, you know a lot about like Greece and stuff because of your Latin class. And I think yeah. you used to say philosophy class. So uh, like, yeah. well, let's take a look at like the Greeks, right? What happened in Greece? Like what was democracy in Greece? Because that's like the pinnacle of what democracy like is. Okay. So based off of what we know in Athens, Greece, that was more or less considered where the first world democracy was founded by, I believe his name was Cleisthenes. Cleisthenes is also considered the um, fa- is also considered the father of democracy because he is believed to have also founded the world's first pure democracy. And um, I think there's a very uh, stark contrast between um, the um, Athenian democracy and a lot of the you know, other democracies and representative governments we see today um, properly, as it is properly defined, a pure or direct democracy is power in the hands of the people, you know, in which a nation's policies and other aspects of government are at the sole discretion of the people via majority vote. And that's basically um, what they had in Athens, particularly where in order to ch- choose elected officials um, they basically just had anyone who's who was considered a citizen primarily at the time um, men who served in the military were required once they were eligible for citizenship 
Debicon uh, to form an assembly and there they would choose their elected officials. Well, based on what I've heard and what I know that like, basically what we know of democracy today is basically what we got from the Greeks and um, the founding fathers, right? Yeah. Basically, they were very intelligent. They were born in the age of enlightenment, which if no one, if anyone doesn't know is basically like this age in like Europe and in America where people thought that like, how should I say this, that they should be um, search for reason. And what I mean by that is base is basically like search for facts and knowledge. And this was count, this was like a counter um, like counter movement towards the like the great awakenings, which is basically a religious movement saying, oh, believe in God, like uh, every like your mind has to be uh, I guess filled with religion, filled with all these like religious teachings and it's basically like a whole science versus religion thing and basically they also during that time the um meddled in with like philosophy that related with democracy and what they thought of democracy is that based on what they've written and uh said they didn't like democracy because they more they wanted this like balance between elitism and power to the people. And that kind of like is the reason why we had like this sort of like United States Senate where uh, they were elected by state legislators instead of the people. And basically they thought that Democracy, pure democracies are bad because of mob rule. Majority will out, like even if it's like fifty-one to forty-nine, will always out overpower the minority. And as long and though that majority will stay there for a long period of time, and that they would like out like shun the minority for like for however long, and that kind of creates it's kind of like kind of creates this sort of like paradox, right? Uh, yeah. Which like the majority is like a king. They, they have all the power now. Uh, even if it's like 51 people, like one person could make up that difference. And yeah, but like the reason why we're like, why I'm like bringing this up, why we're bringing this up because like there's like these movements in history in like the progressive era and especially today where we're deviating from that sort of philosophy from our founders and we're going for and we're like we want power all the power to the people or most of that power to the people and basically in the progressive era that's the 17th amendment now it's basically all these movements um basically undermining the government or not really like totally undermining them, but kind of saying that all oh, politicians, they're not working for the people. So we, the people have to go full fledged on them and all that. And I see like these things, like in these, like 
discussions and debates on like social media saying with like uh progressives saying oh we are a democracy and all that but people are saying no we are a republic we're different kind of in the case that this is not a pure thing this is uh we have a constitution that gives power to the people let's say like, like under god we have rights but also there's a checks and balances over what the power of the establishment and the power of the people kind of like creating this balance and one the one way right uh, yeah that we're deviating from that is the electoral college and our proposition of proposing this national popular vote system that even if like a 51 49 51 if a presidential candidate a candidate gets 51 percent of the vote he becomes president and that creates this like the electoral college is like created so that smaller states could get a vote could get like some say and that prevents like large cities to um, have like all the voting power because if if urban areas, if if we had a national popular vote system, then all those voter uh, vote uh, voters right in the urban areas would vote Democrat, basically nine out of ten times or ten out of ten times, and it's just. We're going to talk about this soon. Uh, we're going to talk about whether this is the right way to go. So, like said, based on like what I've said, um, I mean, is a national popular vote system the way to go? Quite frankly, no, it's not. And I'll I'll tell you why. So, personally. I think the founding fathers had it right when um, they chose not to have a pure democracy, at least during their time, it made sense because think about it this way. They're, um, they're wealthy. Obviously they just, you know, won a revolution against arguably one of the greatest uh, superpowers in the world at that time in great Britain. And it would make sense that they wouldn't want to have a pure democracy and, you know, get the average citizen more or less involved in government affairs. Because what would you do if you had, you know, your average farmer who could barely read or write making government decisions? You know, country, you would, you would think that your country wouldn't last too long. So I think they had it right with, I think you could say in a sense we have more of a, a democratic republic in a sense where this nation is built both on uh, more um, the principles of both a democracy and a republic. And I do think it's important that we do have um, elective representatives to, you know, enforce a lot of the policies and initiatives that um, a lot of uh, more common people and the average citizen are advocating for, or you know, a lot of them want in a sense. I don't think it's the best idea to just put all that power or, you know, give all that responsibility to the average person, primarily because um, a lot of people, I'm not going to say all people, but, you know, a lot of people aren't uh, keeping up to date or they really aren't educated in terms of uh, concerning uh, or informed really um, a lot of, on a lot of the politics and a lot of the things that are going on in this nation. 
you know, you wouldn't want them to just blindly follow um, one political party and one ideology without really understanding the other side, especially since it could also be to their detriment. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of um, people today. You know, they end up um, listening to a politician who, you know, stands for values that they believe they would stem to benefit from, but at the end of the day, it's to their detriment instead because they're not really looking at their own, I guess you could say financial situation or anything like that, or it's, you know, just out of their own personal um, bias. So, so yeah. Oh, sorry. So, uh, yeah, so I have a question. So do you think, and I'm just like gonna ask this, um, the 17th amendment abolished the, the rule that senators are um, elected by state legislators, making them less elite and more, um, I guess, um, abide, like they, that abides, like they have to abide this direct election system. Do you think we should repeal that? I think this is like, because like, I know I read an article saying, oh, we should repeal it. Um, like no, nothing like, something around like the grounds of whether we should repeal it, repeal it or not. So do you think we should revive the founding father's vision and repeal that amendment? Uh, for me, it, like it all depends. Uh, I can't give you a definitive answer. It's it, for me, it all matters. It realistically, I think no, because um, when you look at the situation across the country and you look at a lot of the different, you know, states and towns and counties and whatnot, and you look at, you know, the demographic and the other people in the, you know, specific groups of people who are living there, obviously, you know, in some areas in the country, some people might be more educated or more informed on a lot of the political and social matters, especially since, you know, they should um, yes, and those um, you know, people in more educated areas would know what would be best for them, you know, in terms of picking their local leaders or state leaders, whereas that might not be the case in other parts of the country. You know, and some uh, politicians might just, in a sense, take advantage of them. But overall, I don't think you should repeal it. I think there it could be in the hands of the people. But at the same time, I don't think when it comes to making national decisions for um, the country as a whole, pe um, regular people should have that power, that ability. Yeah, so I asked this because like, not only are these like, like these questions seem like trivial, but I think we should like ask them for the sake of like a thinking because like thinking, <laughs> that's not like a lot of like a thing that we do a lot of in like every aspect, <laughs> but um, uh, of our lives. But like, uh, like nearly a year ago, I kind of fondled with this idea, right, of yeah. repealing the Seventeenth Amendment. Like, this is just me like thinking because I usually like when I read something or when I hear something, I usually like, overthink it and like go into the realm of the of like imagination and just like think, hmm, what would happen if I if we did this. So basically, I kind of fondled this like uh, fondled with this idea of like repealing the Seventeenth Amendment, right? And 
have instituting a new amendment, basically having senators or the upper house being elected by the state legislators, but they have to be um, like elected based on, I guess, education slowly and even IQ, but that's like an iffy thing with IQ tests. It's just, sometimes it's just so different. Like each, there's a different test, but based on more morals and education um, and all that, like for example, um, I guess you could, you could say as far as like an example as like an economics PhD, like guy from let's say Yale, um, who knows a lot of, a lot of like, who has been not only teaching, but like researching and all this stuff, like advising all these big politicians and think tanks being elected as chosen as a Senator and basically running whatever committee, bank committee, uh, economics committee or whatever committee the uh, committee they have basically having all these educated minds, Nobel prize winners, I don't know, um, like, uh, doctors, I, I, I mean, by the PhD sense from any like top university, um, who are assessed and chosen. And I know, like at that time, I thought this was like an okay idea, but then I, this sounds very elitist, like very aristocratic, which is not, <laughs> which is basically like a thing, like aristocracy and, um, and all that. It's not really part of um, our way of life, uh, thinking about it now, but it's like, I kind of like thought about the, I thought of that idea because honestly, uh, like, I don't want to, I'm trying to not become like a pes uh, pessim uh, pessimistic person, but sometimes most of the time, the people like as a whole, majority of them don't. And I just, uh, I'm just saying what I thought of that time during that time, that most people, the majority of people don't have good judgment. And I kind of still have that thought in my mind, right? Like as of right now, as of like um, late, um, because like most of the time, yeah, it goes back to the mob rule uh, idea. It's like not a lot of people have good judgment. They're not educated enough or they're not, they don't know something enough. And in truth, not a lot of people do. Uh, that's why we have to go and uh, accumulate every fact, every single um, data point or whatever uh, to know, to have like an educated opinion. But that's really my thought process. And that's, thinking about it now, I talked to like this, like a teacher, private teacher, um, who like knows a lot more than me, of course. And uh, he said, basically, that's really hard to like um, carry out. Not only would the people would reject that, like out, like would uh, re reject that immediately. But it's hard to assess. No, it's not hard to assess. If 
if it was like an IQ test, then it's hard to assess. But third, most people in politics do have degrees, do have who are educated, very educated, like Jeanette Yellen, um, U.S. Uh, Treasury Secretary, economics PhD at Yale, taught at Harvard and UC Berkeley. Uh, also, a lot of experience. He, she was like chairwoman of the Federal Reserve and all these positions. But in the end, I know it doesn't work, but I guess it's fun to ex experiment all these ideas. And I think that people should really think about these uh, like ideas and like learn about every single like opinion and viewpoint. But yeah, I'm getting uh, sidetracked, but yeah. I think, no, I see where you're coming from, though. It's uh, because you've got a good point, because you would assume, obviously, that people who attend or who have attended these top universities are indeed, you know, well-educated and they would make um, decisions that are in the best interests of the country and, you know, propel us forward and allow us to keep up with a lot of, you know, other countries like China, Russia, our European allies and, you know, places like Iran, North Korea, and the rest of them. But I see where, don't you think in a sense that also it could be a little biased or people would also in a sense also take advantage of that system? Because obviously you'd want to have very well-educated people obviously in these, in these positions of power, but would they also use their knowledge and their prestige and the power they currently hold to i don't know in a sense you know because uh, you know you could say in a sense power corrupts people don't you think that um you know like, especially oh yeah uh, yeah so because you said for example the people in the upper house for example um if they were chosen by the state legislatures you were thinking Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a good idea in the sense where you have these people who you would at first glance believe are qualified for the job to take these positions of power, but at the same time, you know, you wouldn't want them to use the power that they are given to abuse or take advantage of other people. That's where the only real issue I see comes in. Yeah, that's why, like, I don't know, like, theoretically, like, there should be, like, when I thought about this, there should should have been, like, some sort of, like, testing, like, an individual, like, candidate's morality, but it's, like, ridiculous. I, like, we can't really know if someone is, like, Abraham Lincoln moral, in a sense, because we only know, we know that Lincoln was very of a, was a very like compassionate, empathetic and this moral person because of historical records. Because we like, as his, as like people in the future who look back and look at these events, we assess like the trials that these people went through. And we say, oh, this person is like great because not only does he have like this moral complex, he's like, compassionate and all that and it's hard to assess and this is very like too ideal uh it only works in theory and really it doesn't really work but 
well now I want to assure like everyone but like I don't have that viewpoint anymore I am don't have that elitist viewpoint but there's a lot of problems with it with because state legislators the reason why it was removed is because like special interest groups like big businesses during that time could really just you know um what's the word like bribe these politicians and say hey i'm gonna give you this money and you have to do this and basically it does not work well with the people and it's good we should have uh, read that amendment i just brought it up because i had this like at one point in my life i had like 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 a year ago or two i i just had this like idea in my mind um but yeah but i think there's this another proposal that kind of relates strongly with the power to the people and that is lowering the voting age to like 16 years old and that is like i went i went on this like um webinar right yeah it's sponsored by the high school democrats of america uh, i think it was like in orange county new york uh and i got it like some i think uh girl posted it on her story and she said oh there's this webinar i was like okay i'll join it to see what's up and i did it was like on the thursday 5 p.m 6 p.m and Actually, uh, the guest speaker was Andrew Yang. And, well, Andrew Yang, I, of all the people in modern politics, he's like one of few people, few politicians I come to respect and think would, would make a good uh, New York City mayor. But, um, but besides that, I went on this webinar and one of the questions was asked was like, how many people in the chat want the voting age to be lowered to 16? And in my mind during that time, I thought this is a really like an iffy thing. I like at one, like I, in one part of my mind, I want the voting age to be lowered because I really wanted to vote. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the like the rest of my mind was like, what about like oh, 16 year olds weren't, we are not really mature in the sense oh, that like some of them are like mature who are like whack like they're like 30 and like most of them are like, we try to act mature, but we fail dramatically. We drastically, we just uh, screw everything up. <laughs> um, A lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> especially in our day and age we're too emotional <laughs> but um i was like thinking in my mind like there's a lot of like 16 year olds who are like you know you know you're like they're not like serious and this goes in every this goes for like in every school they're not they're like immature and that's just an understatement <laughs> and the thought of them thought of like most kids our age were factual, factually immature, most of them. It's just like, I was thinking of how that affects um, voting, right? And like, because like, in like 
no one takes student council elections seriously. I have to like be truthful in this. Everything, everyone like thinks that oh, it's like, like idealistically, it's like oh, it's this like club where everyone like kids gets a like, gets a voice who knows like the process of getting vote like of like how voting works who could like propose all these grand ideas but in reality all those ideas are are just like shoved away by the administration all these proposals of like microwaves in the cafeteria and uh what was it like um free lunch <laughs> free lunch <laughs> the, or something like that it's like ridiculous like it's just and no one votes seriously. Uh, well, you no know, I, I don't know what you'd expect. You know, when you when you, because it's it's very interesting. Because you're right, the, you know, we're we're high school students. You know, not surprised. A lot of people in our generation are very immature, even when they are eligible or they are of voting age. When we're 18, I still don't trust the majority of our generation to make the right decisions when voting and. You know, like you said, nobody takes these, you know, seriously. It's you always have those, you always have those few candidates that actually have good, genuine ideas that would improve the school. Some of them being very grandiose, and you know, they could, you know, actually be beneficial. But like you said, the administration, our school administration, will either turn them away, and then everyone will usually just vote for the kid who comes up with a bunch of, you know, outrageous proposals. It's usually, you know, uh, very well liked among the student body and they'll, you know, vote for, for that, for it, for that person. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I, there's some good, of course, there's always good. It's just a lot of like student count, like student government allows fundraising, high school prom, uh, bake sale that basically like raises all this, all this money. And goes to like charities and all and all those organizations, which is good. But voting is basically a giant popularity contest. And most kids are like, oh, I'm going to vote for whoever, this athlete. But I, I think it's unfair to like compare that with an actual election. Yeah. It's like actual elections are actual elections. And I know that a lot of kids our age are very serious about politics. Like, like us. Um, so it, like it's very unfair to like compare that but I think and eventually um, in the future since our kids are becoming more politically involved and like and I see that like there's a rapid like increase I noticed from middle school it's basically like this joke from now it's basically like um, people were joking about it now everyone's like very serious about this like intensely serious rightly so because of like multiple social justice issues all these like also possibly economic but i don't think a lot of kids are focused on the economy that much but yeah they're more you know focused on you know unearthing a lot of you know i guess you could say especially with the protests over the summer they're more focused on you know unearthing a lot of the you know racial you know justice issues in the country yeah but that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. Honestly, um, this shouldn't be downplayed. All this like uh, 
2020-2021, although this has been like a decades-long thing, centuries, it's like a issue that should be addressed. And there, sh there shouldn't be any like um, reservations about this. But of course, we have to think about this through. But we have to yeah. like combat it like with firmness. But going back, the voting age, this opens a door to a lot of potential voters. And back, uh, back to the webinar, um, I was the one with reservations about this. And me, like, when, like, like personally in political issues, I kind of, like, um, think on both sides. I think I'm, like, I try to be open-minded and get like facts on this side, facts on the other side, and kind of that results into this me like I'm in a stance, so I don't know what to like, like oh I believe in this, but also in that, like also like that thing I need to consider. But everyone else in like the chat, I think there were like 29 other people. They were like, yes, let's do it, yes, exclamation marks, let's go, I want this. Um, it's like oh. Wow, there's a lot of people who um, agree with this. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I think, I guess so. We want to vote. Voting is exciting. Um, but honestly, I think for now it's a. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say bad, but it's not an ideal idea. And um, it's just. Um, yeah, for now it's not an ideal ideal idea. Um, I think should be scrapped for now, and I'm not saying, oh, this is a ridiculous idea, or everyone who believes in this is stupid. First of all, that mentality is not healthy, and that actually makes a lot of things worse. And unfortunately, a lot of people have that sort of mentality, saying, oh, you have this idea, you have this opinion, oh, you're you're stupid. Oh, you're you're like uneducated, or you're like uh, I don't know all that. It's very unhealthy. But I think um, this plays. If this were to pass, this goes deeper into the idea of democracy and people having a voice. And honestly. The 18 year age is good for now, oh, good. And um, all these things that people are proposing today that kind of expand the meaning of democracy, national popular vote and lowering the voting age. Um, these are ideas that are spearheaded very strongly and I wouldn't say it's worrying. It's a thing that requires a lot of thinking. And that's why we're talking about this now, is to mm -hmm. express what we think. And I think by now, what we think of, it, oh, think, of, think of it is like we have reservations about it. And I know a lot of kids, well, of course the webinar is an example, want this to happen and I guess uh, there's a not 
there's now a lot of kids. I don't know. This, this is a generalization, but I think we should like put this out there for anyone to to everyone. But all these things, democracy is a very flawed system. Like like any other system, if not used correctly, it's very flawed. But it's the best thing that we have. But I've seen a shift to a more stronger democracy, a stronger, like close to not pure, but we've deviated the, we deviated from the ideology of our founding fathers. And yeah. More of a, I guess you could say more of a traditional form of democracy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just this like this giant shift of the like a giant change of the political system, like us progressing. Progress is like progress mm-hmm. is what first of all made America like very rich, very innovative. Progress is innovation, and all of that it applies to every in every aspect of our lives. But. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad democracy. And uh, what I'm just trying to say is that democracy, what we have now is great. Uh, I, I, I just feel, uh, we're just trying to examine like the change of it. Um, I don't know, it's just, what, like, what do you think of it, like Seth? Of the system we have currently in place now? No, basically like this giant change of basically, yeah. Okay, so basically the change we're witnessing right now. Yeah. Well, quite frankly, uh, I'm not not against it, I should say. I'm not necessarily against the change, but I'm not the biggest fan of it either because, I don't know, I feel especially with the political climate in the U.S. right now. Uh, people are more separated, in a sense, on party lines. You know, they're more focused on um, who shares their ideology instead of just doing it for, you know, just the betterment of themselves and the, better, the betterment of their fellow Americans. And I feel like people see it more as just being red and blue, um, Democrat and Republican, whereas opposed to the fact that we're all just Americans and even, you know, apart from that, we're all just people. So I, I'm i not a big fan of people wanting to go back to a more uh, traditional form of democracy, especially since I guess you could say in a sense, I think people are a little more extreme, if you will, in their beliefs and they're not really willing to you know listen or compromise with the other side so that's why i believe it's important to have you know uh, elected representatives kind of like you would have in a republic or more of a representative democracy like the one we currently have now um yeah those are just my personal um, thoughts on it yeah it's like this um, 
it's like very interesting talking about like democracy and all this like history of it the philosophy of it and it feels like honestly right now the this podcast feels like a little bit dry and like slow and not a lot of substance like uh, an issue like abortion or gun rights which uh, we are going to talk about like in future episodes but i guess this is more of like a philosophical thinking kind of podcast which kind of like examining all of this um like taking a step back from all of these hot topic issues and try to like penetrate the history of this like idea that we've been ingrained to like cherish and see how it kind of progressed and that i find is very interesting i don't know about you said uh it's just i think the projection of where we're going now um honestly there's a lot of good things about benefits um creates like um kind of like um taking the power from the elites and i mean at least by like business like corporatist corporations and bring it back to the people where when they saying something historic that has that is like matched with the movement of the progressive era all these social movements too um honestly anyone on i guess the conservative side uh honestly i think it's good the voting age and the national popular vote i kind of disagree on but this is like this is becoming more and more of a strong stronger movement stronger like idea and it's basically like i think this will affect how we live how the country will run in the next 10 to 20 years and yeah i think this uh basically all like the culmination of my thoughts to tad on to what you just said i think you're you're right about that in the sense where this will most definitely affect the way we live in the next 10 to 20 years but i think it could also uh last uh far longer than that uh i think you know because you look at it uh this way there has been as you know especially from our generation uh from especially what you see on social media with all of these social justice movements and what not you see a lot of backlash towards conservatism as well because conservatism in the US has been associated with um as far as people have seen it portrayed in the media with you know hate and um unwilling to you know be accepting of others and change so i don't know i feel like this it's also going to affect the way that, um, a lot of elections play out uh you know for most definitely because if you do move to more of a pure or direct democracy in a sense and let's say a majority of the country is heavily left leaning or you know 
particularly left-leaning and more progressive, you could see, you know, uh, the Democrats or the left in power for, you know, extended periods of history, you know, over the next couple decades, you, I don't think you'll, you know, see really many Republican, that many Republican lawmakers in office, but that's just, you know, my thinking with how the political climate of the country as a whole is shifting. Yeah, I think we should really be prepared for um, all those ideas and opinions to like um, culminate into like this like real thing, a real law. And honestly, I don't know about you. I would definitely vote, even if I'm like right now, I would definitely vote. (laughs) Uh, But like, again, um, goes back to like the general like people for me personally, idealistically, this is good. Direct elections, more voting of uh, more voters, younger voters. This whole idea of a more direct democratic society. I think everyone, and this is my belief, this, I think everyone should like instead of like saying yes, 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 let's like, let's do this. Um, I think everyone should like take a step back and really think about the consequences of these things. Um, First of all, electoral college, if we do a popular vote, going back to urban cities, uh, what about the smaller cities? And one of the arguments for this national popular vote is um, the electoral college does not count one one person, one vote. And that goes back because like this entire like uh, the way that like electoral votes are distributed among the states, like this is like an insanely like complicated thing that I cannot put into words, but it's like every a thousand people, every like a hundred thousand people or so equals one electoral vote, but that's really different from like Wyoming and Canada, uh, Wyoming and like California very different. One vote does not equal to uh, like one voter in that case. And that really in the people's eyes, some people's eyes, that's, that's not how democracy works. That's not how we work. Well, we're not really the argument against it is like, oh, we're not supposed to be a direct democracy because of the founding fathers and all that we cover that. But also the voting age, young people are immature. They are uneducated. They're not, they didn't even graduate high school. Um, Yeah, I think uh, my main point is we have to really think about this. Initiate a conversation like we're doing now. And uh, side note, we're gonna, the reason why we put, we wanna put this on YouTube is to have like kids comment on this more directly, um, the link will be provided on a social media platform. But um, going back, yeah, is to initiate this kind of sort of conversation. Because like I've seen the progress, the progression of this like idea, direct democracy. I'm like, hey, let's talk about this. We need to talk about this because this is going to affect us. And yeah, that's basically, yeah, that's basically it. No, yeah, you're right. This is most definitely going to 
um, I guess you could say affect how this is most definitely going to, this is most definitely a topic we need to continue discussing in the near future. You know, as time continues to progress and we continue to see, you know, the, I guess you could say more of a rise, a second rise of progressivism, you know, um, just as we did uh, over a century ago, but you know, this is a this is definitely a topic we can revisit, and uh, it's very interesting to see how um, things uh, progress moving forward. Well, it's a, especially right now, it's a great day. <laughs> I wouldn't say well. Okay, let me rephrase that a little bit politically. Anyone who has like the ambition to like like who has the ambition to like speak out and all that and uh, like organize act uh, and like be active and also like a, a person who just like likes conversation likes debate all likes all this fiery stuff because like a lot of like events in the past four years five years like things just happened <laughs> it's just um i think politically it's like it's like a great like decade to uh, explore the explore just politics and talk about it. Um, yeah, it's just a massive, massive, massively like there's so many adjectives I could have like described this, but weird time, but yeah. Basically, like that's uh, that's what I just think of it. Yeah, more or less. But you know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, you know, times are changing, and we'll see just you know how um, the form of government that we currently have. We'll just see, um, you know, uh, maybe 10, 15 years down the line how. Uh, much things have changed or, you know, even longer than that, how things have changed since, you know, this government was uh, founded as we know it today, you know, initially with the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and you now the Constitution in 1789. But, uh, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think we reached the end of, uh, of the line here. Uh, yeah. Well, Sam, it's always great speaking with you. Yeah, you too. Like this is a, like this is like a mind-boggling thing, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah, good to talk. To, a, good to talk to you. It's 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 an exciting discussion, though. You know, we just you know, you take a look at uh, how this country was founded. You know, all the you know major events that we've been through for the past two hundred forty-four. 244 years thus far uh yeah yeah i would say so yeah it's from you know through the past 244 years but you know it's it's very exciting and interesting to see where 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 this takes us yeah so, anyway i hope you guys enjoyed listening to this week's episode of hail the pod i'm sebastian Rizard. this is sam chang and i hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode